Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and today I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the common threads that I see when I'm going out and working with a new horse and rider combination. So quite often, and like what I want you to hear from this is not that it's a derogatory thing, but what I want you to hear from this is that there's more to what we're doing when we're working with the horses. So one of the most common things that I will see when I go in and work with a new horse and rider combination is that they will present to me all the tricks they can get their horse to do. So they will show me all of the things that their horse can currently perform for them. And so for me, it's not about what you can get your horse to do. It's about your interaction with them when you're asking them to do it. And that is where we're looking for where we're going to work together to improve what you are doing or if you're going to be able to move forward onto the next thing that you want to be able to do together. So for a lot of people what they will do is they'll get an exercise that they don't know how to do and they'll work at it and they'll get really good at that exercise and so the end goal is the completion of the exercise, getting really good at the thing that they wanted to get really good at and it's not about how they've used it in relationship to their horse to build the quality of the working relationship. So for a lot of riders they can feel like they've gotten really good at the obedience and discipline stuff but they feel like there's still something missing like um, it's just not quite the same click as they were looking for. The horse can be perfect when it comes to executing all of the exercises and tricks but the rider or the horse owner can or handler can still just feel like there's something missing. So for some horses, uh, particularly our stoic horses that are very good at just engaging in the exercise without having to have a relationship there, they also tend to internalize and shut down. We can feel how then just not quite actively engaged. Connection and relationship is about feeling comfortable looking you in the eye so they want to we tend to see these horses avoiding eye contact their head might be like lower what we would call in our relaxation cues of having the head lower than the wither but it's more of like a submission to power 
posture and body language than it is uh, a willingness to engage in connection with us in that exercise. If you're trying to establish the connection, you won't get it if you're just drilling an exercise. You might get a subservient horse that does what you ask it to do, but you'll get stuck when you try to do something new with them or move on to a different exercise or challenge and you'll never feel like they're quite there with you. Because what you want to think about when you're doing these exercises and what I think of when I'm working with the horses and training them is how is this a benefit to the horse? So I will only do exercises with the horse that is going to be potentially of benefit to their physical condition or I'm going to use it as a word to create language with them. So one of our foundational exercises for compassionate leadership is walk when I walk, stop when I stop, back when I back. And you can take that exercise and you can apply it and you can then show me and say, see how good I've got my horse at exercise executing this uh, exercise and it won't be about how well you can get your horse to do this exercise it would it will be how well you conversed with your horse in this exercise to establish relaxation compassionate leadership them knowing and and understanding what the answer to the ask is and uh, you know what emotional agility was required within that communication how did they receive that ask so that the next time you go to have that ask you're having that same conversation so the next time you go to do something new with your horse they're going to you know, react to the new thing the same way as they react to every new thing. And so what we're doing is like we're shaping how we respond to each other in relationship based on, you know, creating these new experiences where they don't know what the answer is. So I'm more interested in knowing how your horse responds to you and how you respond to your horse when your horse doesn't know what to do then I am in you showing me like what you can actually make your horse do because it confidently knows the answer. Like that in itself is good. We want the horses to have a set of skills that they can execute, but we also are looking for how we show up in conversation with each other to get to that final destination. That is more important than what the horse can currently do and what you can currently make your horse do because if you guys have a really good working relationship with how to navigate new things and challenges, then new things and challenges become easy and moving forward and progressing becomes really easy. But if when you introduce something new, it's fraught with like, argument and conflict and fighting with each other then um and you're just trying to get submission and trying to make them you know do the thing then every time you try to do something new every time you come across a challenge together that's what their behavior is going to look like because that's how you guys overcome uh issues and uh conflict and the unknown so far So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about how you show up in relationship with your horse. How does the work you do with your horse make them feel? Not the tricks you can get them to perform, 
but the way that you work with them to help them feel good when they're working with you. This is our emotional agility skills and our passionate compassionate leadership skills where we are creating psychological safety, looking for congruence, create creating reciprocity and relationship to each other and just genuinely looking for how you can be a leader worth following, how your horse can seek you for direction, uh, not only like just take direction from you but actively ask you what you want them to do next. And so our compassionate leadership skills are, you know, some of the rules that I have set for myself so that you know, I'm not perfect. I don't always show up as a compassionate leader. We've got a video of me like having a really bad moment of anxiety due to uh, an experience that was happening in my home life and still having a lesson where I was going to be riding Sully. And so we're not always going to be able to set us up ourselves up perfectly in our nervous system and in our work with our horse to show up as a compassionate leader but we can hold ourselves accountable to you know some some rules of engagement and our social engagement of how we're going to work and play with our horses so things like uh, finish on a positive note feeling like you could have done more three repetitions change the exercise to the best of your ability, try not to engage emotionally in conflict and argument by getting frustrated and angry. To the best of your ability, try and engage from a place of love and a whole list of other rules. Then we can show up to our horse with more consistency with how we're going to engage with them, not just like based on how we feel in the day, on the day, in the moment. And this is really challenging because it means that we have to show up like this all the time, right? Is that like it can't just be when we want to ride them. If we're feeding them, it has to be like every feed, even if we're running late and we're time poor. And so then that consistency has the flow on effect of creating that trust and confidence in us, which allows the horse to take more willing direction from us. You being consistent in your behavior and your engagement with them also allows them better relaxation. They feel safer in relationship to you because they know what to expect from you. If, you know, one day you're really affectionate and cuddly and grooming them and being super sweet to them, and the next day you're in a rage flying off the handle, throwing sticks at them because they've come in too close to you or something like that, then you're not going to have a horse that feels safe with you, that can relax with you, that can have trust and confidence in you because each time you're engaging with them, they don't know if they're going to get like what part of you they're going to get. So there is a place for setting boundaries and holding those boundaries and maintaining our expectations with how they engage with us. And it also has to come from a state of relaxation in our body. When we're frustrated, when we're upset, then the way that we communicate those boundaries are just an unregulated response from our nervous system. This is why it's so important to be intentional and strategic in our shaping plan and the execution of our cueing. So something like, for example, where 
um, we had to deal with the issue of Fiddy being food aggressive and chasing Mick out of the paddock, you know, we've had to maintain the um, expectation of him that when we are entering the paddock to feed him, he must be moving away from us. And I don't have to get angry at him about that. I don't have to, um, you know, react angrily to him doing that because I am going to be intentional about how I shape that behavior. So I can just take, there's two options. I can take the lunge whip down and I can send him away from me to enter the paddock and walk into the paddock when he's walking away from me. This is what I actually did do. I can enter the paddock when he's walking away from me, put the feed down while he's walking away from me, and then allow him to approach when I'm walking away from the bucket. Or every time that he uh, comes towards me, I can walk out of the paddock. That one's a little bit more challenging because, you know, it depends on how far away from the gate the uh, place is that you want to put their feed down. But you have options, right? And it's just about being strategic and intentional of that pathway of consequence to the horse. If you come up over the top of me, push me around, bully me, then I don't feel safe to enter the paddock with you. So I'm, I'm not going to. And when you're moving away from me, when you're walking away from me, when I am using, um, you know, entering the paddock with your feed, then I feel safe to enter the paddock and I feel safe to put your feed down. So it's not the fact that he's walking away from me when I put enter the paddock and put his feed down. It's how we're showing up in conversation with each other to say, uh, you know, he's resource guarding. He's trying to grab that feed off of me. He wants to be fed. He, it's a high, um, mode, highly motivating resource for them. So it's going to elicit more exaggerated behaviors. And so I'm saying to him, Hey, that behavior isn't appropriate when I'm trying to bring this food down to you. Please be walking away from me so that I feel safe, so that I can enter the paddock, so that I can put the food down with it uh, for you. And so we're constantly in this uh, back and forth conversation. And if we allow ourselves to emotionally engage with it, then that's when it becomes fr- like really fictitious and the behaviors become escalated and out of out of control. So that's great for everybody else now when they go in to feed him that he's walking away from them and he's not unsafe with them. And so it's a benefit that he has now this like established cue and it's also conducive to the strength and the quality of our relationship that, you know, I didn't escalate it towards aggressive things to like scare him or make him feel threatened or intimidated or, you know, that express like feeling angry at him or frustrated at him. It was just a simple uh, cause and effect situation that we navigated together to come to an agreement on the boundaries that we hold between each other is that you move away for me to come in with your food so that I feel safe. I put your food down when you make me feel safe so that you can eat. And so it's more about that conversation and how we show up in conversation with them than it is about the actual skill that they're achieving 
it's about that conversation uh, and that agreement that we're coming to together that allows us to work more cohesively as a team because that conversation around expectations and boundaries then translates through into other things that we're doing with them. If <clears throat> And it also tra- communicates to them how you're going to ask them to do things as well. If I were to, you know, get scared and, and run away from him every time he, like, pinned his ears and ran at me, then that would be what our relationship would look like. If he were to, if I were to get really aggressive towards him and, you know, like, whatever you would do to get aggressive, uh, then that would be what our relationship looked like. And so when you can just, like, take yourself out of that experience and just plan how you can have this conversation uh, so that we can establish that reciprocity, then we can find a far more... Um, harmony and balance in these training scenarios because we're not reacting to the fact that it's not going well. It can be really hard in the moment to not react to things that aren't going well, but it's really important that you can take yourself out and reflect on what's not going well and how you can adapt it to go well. And so that's what we're looking at when we're, you know, integrating our holistic horse handling skills is we're looking at our communication there with how are we going to guide them into the behavior? How are we going to mark that that's the behavior that we want? And how do we motivate them to do it again? That's our third pillar of our holistic horse handling program is our cueing and communication. And we have a whole range of tools in our toolkit that we can tap into to say you know is this gonna work no is this gonna work no is this gonna work no is this gonna work oh yes that's the way that we're gonna work together and be able to move forward together to to the next thing that we're doing together versus what would normally happen is like you google you know how to fix a horse doing such and such and you get this like tool because like it's normally quite abusive because a lot of the youtube trainers are using quite aversive abusive tools because it's more spectacular to watch a horse having a full emotional meltdown than it is to watch a peaceful negotiation between horse and human and so then you're going to take that uh super aggressive tool and force your horse to do what you want it to do and then it's going to react in a way Way that a nervous system would be would react to being treated like that and then you're going to go into a full spiral of not being good enough for your horse not doing the right thing by your horse you'll never be good enough for your horse maybe your horse needs a better owner instead what you want to be doing instead of going into that full spiral meltdown is taking strategic and intentional training tools that are designed for a peaceful negotiation and taking that in and experimenting with how your horse like like prefers to be engaged and then getting to a peaceful resolution and new negotiation for each other's interaction. And when you're experimenting with which tool to use, you're taking yourself out of the training arena and you're reflecting on what worked, what didn't work and Uh, you know, having some flex in adapting the tools so that they're going to work better with your and your horse's personality. 
And instead of just having that meltdown of not being good enough, you're going to go back in and you're going to try again. Is this tool going to work? No, that tool didn't work. So you take yourself out and you reflect on it and you figure out how you can adapt it to better suit you and your horse's personality. And so it's this like, um, you know, process of negotiation for not just like the things that you would like your horse to do for you, but from the horse's perspective, it's how they would like you to ask them to do it. So if you're curious about what this peaceful negotiation might look like, our Stronger Bond workshop is coming up again. So make sure that you have jumped on the link in the show notes and join us, particularly for day two, where we discuss our emotional motivators. Until next time, happy trails. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with flags and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you. Especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, Building a Connection with Your Horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestriumovement.com forward slash connection. And I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.